We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hi, hello. This is Josh Bow, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyBall.com, coming to you on an exciting Friday night. The Mavericks are 2-0 in the preseason after Dallas beats the Clippers 122-114. to The Mavericks have yet to lose in the preseason, which means they're just never going to lose another game for the rest of this year at next year, and let's just go ahead and say the year after that. Uh, Matt, uh, Phillips, one of our dedicated staffers, you've definitely seen his name a lot on our site over the last couple months. He is joining me tonight as uh, Kirk had some technical issues trying to watch the game with his with his service, uh, and he needed a night off anyway because that maniac does way too much for the site. So, Matt, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm good, and I will say hello, friends, in honor of Kirk since he cannot be here. Yes, and you might recognize, if you are a regular listener of The Green Rooms, you probably also recognize Matt's voice uh, from, from The Green Rooms, as that's kind of where you got started, right? You did The Green Room, you did The Locker Rooms, and then Kirk kind of asked you to join the staff after that? Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much how I started. Is <laughs> I had asked the other thing, which 
and Kirk laughs about it now. We both do. But when I first applied, uh, I got crazy busy and couldn't provide a writing sample, which given how much I write now that I work there is just kind of <laughs> funny. Yes, that is, that is, I, that's hard to believe. Um, but thank you for being here. It's a Friday night preseason, as you can imagine, uh, not a, not as many eyeballs engaged on this game tonight as maybe uh, some other games, but uh, let's just get right into it. This was, I mean, I want to just say before I kick it to you, Matt, this was like a really fun game to watch all the way through. And I thought the Mavericks win against the Jazz was also a pretty fun game to watch. Not even wins or losses, just an aesthetically pleasing. And typically you don't see that in the preseason. Typically you get some real difficult games to watch with a lot of sloppiness. And I'm not saying there wasn't any sloppiness in this game. Uh, but it was fun. Like the young guys did stuff again. Like it, it just kind of a feel good game all the way around. What are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, yes, it was a lot of fun. Um, one of the things Christian that is in the locker rooms from people that listen to those, he would always mention last year, he would always mention the energy of the game. And I think that the team as a whole is really enjoying the shackles from the Carlisle era being off because they all get to move around more. Everybody moves more. The offense is much more dynamic. I, I don't think that it'll necessarily be, I don't want to say it'll be better because Carlisle is an offensive genius, but it's, it's more dynamic and it's more free flowing for everyone rather than everyone being shackled into a certain spot in a certain role. And I think that a lot of the player, the non-Luca players especially get to have fun doing that. And even Luca he gets to have more fun because he gets to see people. He gets to see people moving. He gets to do more interesting things and challenge himself more as a playmaker. Yeah, definitely. And it's really, you know, it is preseason qualifying, you know, all the preseason qualifiers. Uh, I was happy to see the Mavericks shot a good, you know, I know they only shot 33 threes tonight, but they shot, I think they shot 20 in the first half. And when you played all those, you know, undrafted guys, you know, not a lot of those guys are shooters. So I don't really care that they didn't shoot a lot of threes in the second half because they didn't play any shooters really. Uh, so like, I'm, uh, I'm trying to be as optimistic as I can with Jason Kidd. Uh, but so far so good. And man, you, you talked about Luca. Uh, Luca is as dialed in as he can be in these two preseason games. And that's been really good to see. Not that it's surprising or anything, but I mean, the dude played a, an incredibly grueling season with with the pandemic, forcing all those games into such a tight tight window. We know the conditioning concerns were there for him last year, and you know, basically every year since he's been in the league. Uh, and then he, instead of having a full off season to himself, he you know rightfully plays with his Slovenian national team. They go on a Cinderella run. They almost medal. I mean, still finishing fourth for that country is still pretty crazy. Uh, and so I was a little worried because he didn't really have time. You know, he didn't really have an, as much of an off season as guys normally get because of the Olympics. And I was like, what's he going to look like? And man, he looks great. He is, he's about as ready to go as he could possibly be. Almost a first half triple double, uh, 14 points, eight rebounds, nine assists. Uh, Matt, anything you've seen from Luca tonight or in the preseason or just business as usual or just any, any extended Luca thoughts on your end? So a couple of things. One, he is, I think that that extra, the extra action in the off season actually helped him in the shape department because he had enough, like when he went and did the Olympics and qualified and everything, yes, that was grueling and coming off of the long and drawn out season and everything that was probably pretty rough on him, but there's basically in, in anything fitness related, a little bit of time off is rest 
uh, too much time off is rust. Like it's bad for you. And so I think that because he did all of that and there was a much shorter break, he didn't really have time to gain weight or get out of shape or anything like that. And he looks really good to me. Also with the shape thing, I have been pretty adamant that I would not be concerned about him long-term shape wise until a season that started when it was supposed to start, he came in out of shape because his second season, he was in shape when he came in his first season, the Mavericks made a really big point of, they didn't want him to work because of the incredibly, because he had basically played three seasons back to back with uh, real Madrid and then the Euro cup and then uh, something else, but he had done a bunch of stuff. And they made a really big point that they wanted to let him rest because they were worried about injuring him. And then his second season, he came in in really good shape. And then last year, the season started three months earlier than the players thought it was was going to. And a athlete that is his age and has access to the resources that he has, meaning like he can get a personal chef, he can he can have access to world class workout equipment, and everything. That kind of guy can get in shape in three months. Can get in really really good shape. And so I really think he just caught, got caught off guard last year because the season started earlier than it was supposed to. And then this year, when he knows when the season's going to start, he's in shape. And the game is just so breathtakingly easy for him right now, which, I mean, it's preseason, so you got to take everything with a, gain of, uh, with a grain of salt. But we've seen it in other higher levels of competition, too. He's just got everything figured out. And I don't really think there's an answer for him. Yeah, and I like your point about like not being too much time off, so he didn't have time to like gain weight because <laughs> we we obviously saw that in the pandemic with everything locked down. Uh, Luca to his left to his own devices and not being able to maybe reliably get to a gym uh, is not a good combination with his eating habits. Uh, so, He's a kid that loves ice cream. I mean, yeah, that's okay. We've all been there. I still love ice cream, so I can't. I don't have any room to talk. Um, so yeah, totally agree. It's been fun. It's been fun to watch his his efficiency in these first two games is just absolutely off the charts, crazy. Um, now we got to pivot to to Kristaps Porzingis because I feel like he he really I think was the biggest story take or takeaway coming from this game. I know the young guys are going to get a lot of love, and we're going to get there probably right after this. But uh, easily Porzingis' best best game of the two. Uh, the first game wasn't even all that bad. You know, I think we all agreed. Uh, in our Slack and, and Kirk on the site and, and, and post game, I think we all agreed that physically he looked really good and he was moving well. He was defending well. Block shots were a sight for sore eyes. Uh, he just looked a little stiff and robotic offensively and didn't have a, a great offensive game, but everything else where it needed to be uh, tonight was better. Um, I know I probably had a little bit too of a hot take in the Slack about his offensive game, uh, but that's just me being maybe a little bit too critical about some of the, uh, offensive creation possessions that he had that didn't, didn't look, always look so uh, smooth, but you know, five of eight from the floor gets to the free throw line seven times, 15 points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals, 19 minutes, really great to see. And it was really fun. Like I think the Luca Kristaps pick and roll looked absolutely dynamite tonight. Again, I know preseason yada, 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 but Kristaps uh, was moving really well out of the pick and roll. He wasn't just popping. He was rolling a lot felt like he rolled more in these 19 minutes in the pick and roll than he did like for most of last season. So uh, that was really nice to see. And, and again, I think the big thing for me, three blocks, two steals. So, you know, he's moving well on, on the defensive end when he's doing that because his block rate uh, tumbled dramatically last year and his rim protection was a horrible uh, compare, especially compared to that first season in Dallas. 
And then the seven free throws. He had a career low free throw late, rate last season. And to be honest, I think like the last two months, he bumped it up a little bit. Uh, and the number, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but it was like really disastrously low for like three-fourths of the season, his free throw rate. And I think that directly correlates with his health and his mobility and, and the lack thereof last season. So for him to get seven free throw attempts in 19 minutes, uh, that's crazy. And I loved, I think, you know, for some of those free throw attempts, it was a catch near the free throw line or the, or the mid to low post, kind of a turn hard one dribble straight toward the rim and, and go and attack. And that's not something we saw from him much at all last season, despite the fact that he was still efficient offensively last season. So uh, it, it was it was great to see. I mean, really, you know, I bad bad slack takes aside uh hard to complain uh, about what you saw what about you so the most important thing for me looking for this is what i was looking for in the preseason was how did porzingis move because numbers in the preseason i know i just did a stats post but because <laughs> we don't but numbers in the preseason really don't matter like whether it, it's fun that the mavericks are winning and everything and we would probably be freaking out or at least i know several people would be freaking out if we were just getting murdered in the preseason it's but, fun if you're gonna play the games it's fun to win them absolutely absolutely yeah. uh we can be like jim harbaugh and just never never lose a preseason game <laughs> um but the the plan like the most important thing for me was how does Porzingis move? Because that is the thing that we are most going to be able to see in a preseason that directly affects the Mavs ceiling as a team is that. And whether or not Luca was in shape, which we've already discussed Luca being in shape, but Porzingis has moved really, really well. And we have two seasons of data that show that when Luca and Porzingis play together, the offense is going to be world destroyingly good. Like they are when they play together, whether they're happy, whatever, the offense of the team is just stunningly good. And so the question then becomes is can they hold up defensively, which the year before last they could because Porzingis was a really, really good defender until last year. It's I, I think some people have kind of forgotten this, because, of, but he was not just not bad defensively. He was legitimately a huge plus defensively until last season. That's one of the few things that people have right about his career in New York was that he was a really good defender. And when he's a positive, it changes so much for the team defensively. And he's been really good. Um, I actually mentioned the free throw attempts. That also with his assists, I think, goes to show how well he's feeling. When he's feeling good, then he's going to get more free throw attempts because he's more aggressive. And the more aggressive he is, his to an extent is a is a good thing for the Mavericks. Now, when that aggression manifests itself as, hey, I'm going to take a four dribble post up, it's not. But when it's hard, decisive moves to the basket, that's absolutely a good thing for the team. Um, with him too, uh, there's a stat that I like to quote. Last season in the game, he had six games where he had at least four assists, and the Mavs won those all six of those games and averaged uh, – they won them by 18 points a game. He had four assists in one half today, which since the Mavericks did not get a secondary playmaker, they are going to have to basically gang playmake. Like we talk about it as gang rebounding a lot, but for the team, they're going to have to get playmaking from a bunch of people who are not necessarily quote-unquote playmakers. <sighs> So it's important it's it's important for them for him to be able to pass and create shots for other people. And I think with that, it's a lot of times we 
there, I don't necessarily think that there's straight up causation between Porzingis passing and the Mavs winning, but I think that it is an indicator of something else that leads to the Mavs winning, which is that he feels involved because when he doesn't feel involved, then he's just going to jack a shot up and he can't get an assist that way. But when he feels involved, he moves better on the defensive end. And that's when he has more time to pass and do things like that, which leads to the multiple assist. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and especially they're going to have to get, I mean, he's not, he's not known for being a great passer, especially in his time in New York. Um, but like you said, if he's, if if kid is serious with the touches that that Kristaps is going to get, he has to be able to at least make the simple reads uh, and the simple passes, which is kind of what we saw tonight. You know, I wouldn't say he was, you know, he wasn't like dropping dimes or or doing anything crazy. He was just kind of doing what the defense presented and 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 making the right play and moving the ball where it needed to be. And and if he's going to get more touches, whether it's you know the free throw line, the elbow mid post, low post, you know, wherever inside the three-point line, if that's going to be a thing, uh, which, you know, just didn't happen too often in his first two seasons, he just he just has to pass well. He doesn't have to be, you know, a big assist guy. He doesn't have to necessarily be a huge playmaker. But like you said, they just have to get some playmaking from some other spots and maybe use the whole roster to get it instead of relying on one or two guys. So if he's in the post, he's touching the ball more, he has to pass well. Uh, or at least just not make mistakes, uh, which is which would be really huge. Um, moving on for Przingis, I don't think any of the other, you know, Dwight Powell had a really nice game. I mean, kind of quietly, I didn't even really notice it. 14 points uh, in 16 minutes. He looks great. He looks springy. Uh, he so I'm I'm not concerned uh, about the if he's looking like he looked before his Achilles injury, which is just phenomenal to see. We'll see how that lineup holds it holds up during the regular season. But I mean, love him or hate him. Powell has a role on this team. We'll just see how much he actually, how, how big it actually is when the regular season starts. But I think it's time to get to, to the bench and get to the young guys. Cause I think they impressed once again uh, against the jazz. It was Carleek Jones who had 13 points in 14 minutes. Uh, Jones still had a really good game. Like he still looked really good. Uh, but tonight it was Eugene Omoruyi, uh, the the mm-hmm. product from Oregon. 22 minutes, 19 points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, only one turnover. Uh, he really kind of took over the scoring of the game. The Clippers had uh, a pretty good third quarter to take the lead, and Omoruyi uh, was he was the key. He was he was what helped them retake the lead in the fourth quarter and hold it there. Uh, really, really, really fun game for him. He was very aggressive. Uh, he only took two threes. He made one. So, you know, it felt like all seven of his field goals were were layups. I mean, he was at the rim constantly, whether it was getting found by teammates or just kind of bulldozing his way down there uh, off dribble drives. Uh, but, man, we could, I feel like we could go up and down the rock. Like, I feel like all the young guys, once again, had, like, nice moments. Uh, Ferran Hunt. He, I mean, he only scored two points, but it was a fun, cool transition dunk, which he had in, against the Jazz. I, Jones had his good game, six points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals. He did things. Moses Brown played eight minutes and scored eight points. Um, so maybe he, you know, maybe I really need to apologize to Dalton Trigg over, over at DallasBasketball.com. We don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's fair. Uh, but still, like, it's just fun to see these guys do things. And there's another side of the coin that we can talk about that with Josh Green. Uh, I mentioned that 
first podcast, so maybe we shouldn't get too negative too fast. But what did you think? Did you, did you have fun watching these young guys kind of kind of play well once again? Uh, absolutely. Um, I loved watching Moses Brown play. Um, the the amount of energy he plays with for his size is yes. just incredible. It's, I mean, that guy is in phenomenal. I know he doesn't he didn't play very long, but given his size, he's in phenomenal shape because he just. What he does is he does the really simple things that you want big guys to do. Like when you when you sit and scream at your TV from, and I think this is especially evident for people who spend a year watching Willie Colley sign. But <laughs> when you sit and scream at your TV, go. You are a giant. Go to the rim. You are a giant. Like contest this shot. Go go try to get a rebound and everything. He does all of that. He does nothing complicated at all, and he's going to have a really long NBA career. Now, how good that career is going to be, I don't know. But given his size and how hard he plays, he's going to have, I believe, probably a 10-plus year career. Just not, I'm not saying that he's going to be Tyson Chandler. I'm not saying that he's going to be a star or anything. Like He may spend all of that career as you know, a 9th to 11th man on the bench. But given his size and how hard he plays, people will always find a spot for him. With uh with Omarui, I hope I am not butchering his name. Um, that's it. That's it. You got uh, it. I saw him in the post game. I didn't realize that he wants to be a an, a lawyer and all of this like that's pretty cool. Um just how how dedicated he he seemed to be to academics. But also he was the best young wing on the Mavs roster today, which is great for him and it was fun to watch. And as we've mentioned, preseason games don't matter like as far as the stats and everything. But, and I was a big Josh Green defender most of last season. Actually, the first thing I ever wrote for Mavs Moneyball was a was a Josh Green piece as a fan post, and uh, he's just it's just not there. I mean, I Kirk often says about summer league that if you can play well in summer league, it might not matter. But if you can't, then that's a really bad sign. And I feel like that's where we're at with Josh Green, which is just. He doesn't have basic basketball skills that you need of NBA players. Um, he's a wing in theory that can't shoot and can't really dribble. And while he is a while we he flashes some good passes and everything, he threw an alley oop that went over the backboard today. <laughs> oh man, that I feel like that's gonna be like the play. Like you know, if he if if maybe we need to be saying win. Uh, he gets traded, cut, or he signs with another team after his rookie deal expires. I feel like that's going to be the play. Like, that's going to be the gift. That's going to be what's shown because that was like, he almost that, threw that to Oklahoma, man. Like, that was so far into the stands. It was it was not good. Not a good look. Well, that and then Luca's reaction to it was, was priceless. Oh God, just, uh, no. just sitting there just laughing. I mean, it's... It's okay to miss passes, and it's it's actually the opposite side of that is one of my biggest issues with Green is, and I mentioned this in the Slack, he's like a player that someone went in and turned his aggressiveness slider all the way down. Like, he he doesn't try anything, and, and I that's actually my favorite play of his today was when he got blocked because he actually cut to the basket and attempted to attack someone there when, generally speaking, he won't try anything if he's defended at all. Like when he gets to the rim, if there's a big man within the vicinity, he either shoots a floater that has very little chance of going in, but no chance of being blocked. He he plays kind of like a guy in pickup that just he doesn't really care if he makes it or not, but he just doesn't want to get embarrassed by being blocked, and that just doesn't work. I'm yeah, just- and uh, 
unfortunately, the stuff with getting blocked at the rim and shooting floaters and being passive around the basket, uh, he was a terrible finisher in college, like horrible. Like I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but our guy Ryan um, uh, at the time, he wrote kind of the Josh Green profile, I think, after he was drafted. And I, I don't remember the number, but his like rim shooting percentage in that one season in Arizona, mm-hmm. it was like it was under 50 percent. That's all I remember. That's what I know for sure. I want to say it was something crazy, like in the 30s. Uh, and he's just not. And that's like that's following him here. And that's not a good sign. And, you know, only took one three and missed it. You know, he didn't score any points in the first game. It just. I think what's I think what you know I'm sure there's people listening going why are you you know it's preseason why are you killing you know why are you killing this guy you're talking about him twi- you know both podcasts because I brought it up Kirk didn't even bring it up I was a curmudgeon this time and I think the thing for me the reason why I'm bringing it up is because the other guys are standing out so much more like they're just pop like these uh, Jones and and Amari and Brown you know these guys are popping off the screen. And green is so inconsequential to anything that's happening on the floor. And I know it's preseason and I know Marie is a much more polished and older player. And these, these environments are, are usually, you know, scrapping it up against, you know, fellow undrafted free agents. That's a good situation for him because he feels comfortable getting up shots and a guy like green, who's never going to be that guy. And his ultimate NBA role is going to be, you know, being spot up, you know, cutting, you know, being a, a secondary type player, you know, it's easier for a guy like O'Murray to pop or a guy like Jones to pop. Cause they just are natural, more natural scores, but yeah, it's, it's a little rough. It's, it's rough. These two games for, for, there, for green. There's definitely some truth to that. And I, I thought that a lot yes, last year when people would talk about that Nate Hinton looked better than him. Cause Nate Hinton is one of the most selfish on court basketball players I've ever seen in garbage time. Like I loved your takes about it. And it was so funny. Like if he, took, I can't like disagree. It, if he touched the ball in garbage time, he was going to shoot. And, but the thing is, even with all of that, like Josh Green, and I don't, I hate to, to do too much of like judging people like character wise. And this is not meant as a, as a negative characteristic of him, but I don't know him. So I'm going to preface this with all of that, but he just, he doesn't like at some point when he's out there with all of these undrafted guys, like he's, he was a first round NBA pick last year. He should be, at some point he should be like, I'm Josh effing green. Like, give me the ball. Let me do something. And, you know, he's like, I'm, I was the first round pick, like, uh, Omarui, like you were an undrafted player this year. Like, go ahead and give me the ball uh, at least a little bit. And he's just not like, he, he doesn't attack. He doesn't, I mean, he, he he doesn't try essentially as far as like as much energy as he shows, like he just, and there was a play in this in this game that was a good example of that, which actually Harper commented on. And it was probably the and it was the right basketball play. And so I don't want to go too far into being negative on it. But there was a there was a, a kind of a secondary break where he had I'm not sure who it was, but from the Clippers, they're like undrafted big man. And it's one on one at the free throw line, and he just pulls the ball back and and chills, which it ended up being the right play, probably. But also, if you're a first round wing and you have an undrafted big man one on one at the free throw line in transition, the right play should be for you to score there. The fact that he is not a good enough scorer that the right play actually is for him to pull it out is its own problem. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think you know part of it positive, is. Oh, go to, ahead. To be positive, to switch a little bit. Yeah. Uh, on. 
very small sample, like didn't do a whole lot, but I did see some flashes from Frankie Smokes that I was that I was pretty happy with. Um, the block, and then like two plays later, the Euro was really good. Um, so hopefully he can end up being the defensive backcourt mate for Luca that we were hoping for. I know that he's been bad, and I was super underwhelmed by the signing relative to some other people, but at, in general, he I thought he looked good. He showed flashes, and I guess that's the issue that I have with Green is just that at some point over the year plus that he's been with the Mavs, you would like to see flashes more than like five passes that he's thrown. And and I just haven't seen flashes from him. Right. And I think with Green, that another consideration is he got drafted during the pandemic. He you know didn't play a full college season. Uh then had basically an off season after from you know after his college season until he got drafted where you, you know you can't really do much because we were in shutdown mode. Uh, he gets drafted. He no summer league, no no real training camp. Uh, he gets onto a team with Rick Carlisle, who is one of the biggest sticklers with younger players. He doesn't really play. Um, when he does play, you know he's he's got Carlisle yanking him for. Even when he doesn't make a mistake, like when he makes a really nice pass to Willie Cauley Stein, and Willie Cauley Stein blows the layup, like he gets pulled, like just you know a bunch of really bush league kind of stuff that I've always hated with how Carlisle tries to develop, you know, younger guys. Uh, and then you know you can't blame him for for picking uh, playing on his national team in the Olympics over summer league. Like, come on, like you know that's a dream to say that you represented your country in the Olympics is an honor that doesn't come quite often for, for a lot of guys. So you can't blame him for turning that down, but he doesn't play in summer league. He's on an Australian national team that has a lot of established veteran type players and NBA level players that are better than him. So he never plays. So it's another summer of like, he's just not, he's not playing and he's the kind of guy, like he's so raw with his basketball skills. He just needs to play. Like, the nice thing about tonight, he got 25 minutes in a preseason game. Like that's probably the most NBA level basketball he's played, and and maybe in his career. I don't know if he played that many many minutes in, in a preseason game last year or in a regular season game. He might have. Uh, my memory might be short, but didn't happen very often. That's for sure. So it's just a shame. That, I think he played that much in a few G League games last year, which I know that's yeah, not quite NBA go. level, but and yeah, I know he played in several of the G League games. And yeah. honestly, if I was in charge of the Mavs, and this is not what I thought because I wrote the Josh Green uh, season preview and I was much more optimistic and I've just steadily gone downhill, um, I it's very possible that I would just assign him to the G League like he's a brand new player and just say, you know, go play 30 minutes a night. Like, don't care how good you are, do it, but just go play. Because like you said, he needs reps. That's the thing. And, and we, one of the things he was drafted as a quote unquote three and D ready player. And looking back on it, it's kind of crazy that we said that he was and not just, I mean, like I, this is like a, a universal weed because that was the thought process by a lot of people. I think he made like 33 threes in college, like the, the 36% shooting or whatever on three, when it's that few attempts, it's, there are plenty of people who have gone through stretches like that or better than that. Like I remember a couple of years ago, Aaron Gordon started out shooting like 42% on threes, but it was like a hundred attempts. It's, it's just, it's, that's not enough of a, of a sample size to be representative of your actual talent level. So his true talent level as a shooter might've even been like, you know, 
closer to like a 28% or a 25% three-point shooter. And that's more of what we've seen now. Yeah, totally. And for him to get better, like you said, he just needs reps. Hopefully he can get some more reps. He definitely, you know, I wasn't necessarily impressed with his with his game tonight, but it was definitely a significant step up from the first game against the Jazz where he was just really bad. So hopefully he can stack this and maybe be a little bit better in the third preseason game and then the fourth, and, and we'll see. We'll go from there. But otherwise, uh, I don't know what else to talk about. I mean, I feel like we did we, we covered covered things pretty well against preseason, so we can probably afford to get out of here. Uh, there's not going to be a green room tonight. Uh, again, Kirk is just DNP uh, CD tonight because he just had some technical issues. He didn't get to watch the game, so he he deserves a night off anyway. He does way too much. So. Yeah. Uh, he's super busy on here so i know yeah, he's, it's crazy i have to beat him i have to beat him with a stick to take a day off from from working on the site so so anytime you can take a day off that's good for good for him uh but yeah let's get out of here matt uh thanks again for joining us uh it's been a lot of fun maybe we'll have you on here again uh certainly kirk would love to have you on uh if if one of us needs to take another break for a post game or maybe a midweek pod or something but uh it, it was a joy having you so thanks for hopping on on a friday night Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah. So again, Mavericks win 2-0 in the preseason. They beat the Clippers 122 to 114. This is Mavs Moneyball after dark. Next preseason game is Wednesday, October 13th against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, for people in the central time zone, de- local Dallas time game starts at 530, a little bit earlier than normal, uh, which is nice. We'll get done. We'll get done with site stuff pretty early. I like that. So We'll talk to you guys Wednesday, October 13th after the Charlotte Horns preseason game. Until then, you're listening to Maz Moneyball After Dark, and we'll talk to you later. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.